0: Episode 119, Melanie Pump, author of the book, Detox, Managing Insecurity in the Workplace.
1: Yeah, so my my favorite mistake, it's something I've actually, it's only recently realized um, has been a mistake.
0: I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. For show notes, links, and information about Melanie's book and more, you can go to markgraven.com slash mistake 119. If you like the episode, please share it with a colleague. Share it on social media. Thanks for listening. We are joined today. Our guest is Melanie Pump. She is an accomplished CFO, chief financial officer, and business leader. She describes herself as a survivor, a business leader, and a deep believer in the power of positive supportive work environments. Um, Her journey, as she says, is not typical, as we'll uh, hear about today. I think you'll you'll hear more about that from Melanie. But she is the author of the recently released book titled Detox, Managing Insecurity in the Workplace. So Melanie, thanks for joining us. How are you?
1: I'm well. Thanks so much for having me.
0: And you are joining us from uh, a little bit north of the border in Toronto, correct?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yes. In sunny Toronto today.
0: It is sunny Toronto. That's great. I uh, look forward to, you know, now now that the border is opening up again, I I love Toronto. I love being in Ontario. So hopefully there'll be opportunities uh, to come back or for you to come back in the U.S. if you do any work here.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah.
0: So we have a lot to talk about today, um, including topics from the book, but we're going to start off. Melanie, looking back at the things you've done, what is your favorite mistake?
1: Yeah. So my, my favorite mistake, it's something I've actually, it's only recently realized um, has been a mistake. And that was, you know, through most of my career, I actually hid a big part of myself. Like I, I hid the journey that I'd been on and what actually made me different from my, from my peers. Uh, Cause I didn't come into the work environment um, with an, with an education. I was actually a high school dropout. And, uh, and I thought that, that I needed to hide that. And that was something that I needed to feel shame over. And then recently, you know, over the past year in in writing my book and in going on the journey, I've now started speaking about that. And I've realized that I actually, you know, I left some power. Um, I ignored something that I had that was actually a strength and my ability to overcome that. And also what it allowed me to connect with people um, once they hear your story and they start telling you their story too. So, you know, looking back on it now, I I really wish that I'd been more open and authentic about my journey uh, earlier on.
0: And so what sort of reaction, I mean, I think it's interesting that you, like you said, you've just recently discovered Mm -hmm. this. So what sort of reaction then do you get from people when you tell a little bit more about your story and your background?
1: Yeah, I mean the reaction is always is always supportive. For one, you know, you know, everybody likes to see somebody who has gone through challenges and overcome them and uh, and succeeded. So there's that, of course, which is great to feel supportive and to feel welcomed um, by everybody. Uh, but then I also have people coming and telling me about their own journeys because now that they now that I'm sort of exposing my back my background, people are opening up about their own, and then that's creating a different connection. And I think even freeing for them as well. So I feel like in being open now, it's actually helping me because I now feel more confident because I'm not hiding part of myself, but it's also helping other people too.
0: And, you know, there's a word people use I, increasingly, even in business settings, you know, there's a word vulnerability that right. leaders, when they show vulnerability, that that can be helpful in, in terms of creating a healthy culture. can. What, what, what are some of your thoughts
1: on that i i totally i agree with that because if if you have a leader who who is acting like they're perfect and not letting any of their weaknesses out or not let it know that they're going through a hard time it makes it a lot more difficult to connect with that person and also to trust them uh because you know even though we can appear as if we're perfect we all know that that none of us are so if somebody is is putting on a facade it makes it difficult because you don't then how do you know exactly what they're being honest about and what they're not being honest honest about. So having that level of openness, I think just, uh, it also makes people more likely to follow you because they know mm-hmm. that they can trust you.
0: And I think one example of that vulnerability is leaders being willing to admit they've made a mistake. That's something mm-hmm. we talk about, um, a lot here on, on the podcast. Um, I mean, can, can you, is, is that something that, that you've practiced in terms of trying to help create a, a positive work environment?
1: Absolutely. I, I advocate strongly for that. I actually have a section in my book on that about uh, we need an environment where people feel comfortable making mistakes because how do you learn and grow um, if you don't make mistakes? And and how do you even innovate? Because uh, we all know, you know, it's very rare to come up with a with a great product idea the very first time. You have to try different things. And, and even in your mistakes, sometimes you come upon, there's been products that have been created just by somebody making a mistake. Um, I think yeah. the sticky note came about that way, actually. Uh-huh. It wasn't even intentional. So no, I I advocate strongly for that because the other thing is, is that um, people do make mistakes and you want them to tell you because uh, then the company can, for one thing, fix it if it was something that caused a problem, but then also change a process or make sure that it doesn't happen again. So we absolutely need workplaces uh, where people uh, feel comfortable saying when something's gone wrong.
0: Yeah. And you're right. Sometimes there's a messy innovation process where people mm-hmm. are trying to do it when, when we're trying to do something new, even if we're not inventing a product. I mean, as as a chief financial officer, though, you have to be mindful we don't want quote unquote creative accounting that can make people in a lot of <laughs> you know, trouble. No, you, absolutely whatever. not.
1: And that's funny. I, I've had that very <laughs> conversation many times. Like, yeah, there, there's there's different types of areas, right? So accounting is very black and white. I say that about you know, accounting and legal. You know, there are certain rules mm-hmm. that we have to follow. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, even there, that's why you have Counterparties, and that's why you have people reviewing your work um, to make sure that if there are mistakes, that we catch them. So, so even there, you know, as as an accountant, you know, sometimes my team brings me things, and there are mistakes in them, and and that's okay. I, you know, that's why I reviewed it is to fix is to find things like that.
0: Yeah, and catching mistakes is necessary. We all make them. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we can try to figure out how to prevent uh, repeating the mistakes. I, I, I'm more mindful of mistakes. I mean, they were all pretty minor. I've made at least five mistakes today that I could come up with (laughs) off the top of my head. And one of them I admitted basically, you know, to, to my boss and, you know, a firm I work with as a subcontractor. And I, I, my willingness to admit that mistake was in part due to knowing uh, I wasn't going to get chewed out. I wasn't going to be ridiculed. How could you do that? It was something where I I was sloppy, but it was fixable. Right. Really no, no great harm. So I, I appreciate being able to work in an environment And when yeah. I'm in a leadership role. I'm with you. I try to create that environment as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a powerful that, that kind, creating that kind of safety for people to be open is really important for them to, to reach their full potential.
0: Yeah. So speaking of, of, of you, Melanie, speaking, um, reaching your full potential. I was wondering if you could go back a little bit and fill in some of the gaps between, like you mentioned, high school dropout,
1: mm-hmm. business
0: executive, CFO. Like, what how did that happen? <laughs> how, how, how did that happen? I mean, yeah, um, what, it, what, what got you on a good professional track?
1: Right. Yeah. So I, you know, like many of us, um, like my childhood was a bit rocky. My my parents divorced. Unfortunately, my father went bankrupt. And, you know, things just really didn't didn't recover. And, and uh, I ended up dropping out of high school uh, by grade 10. Um, I guess at that point, I just, you know, teenagers don't make good decisions often when they're on their own. And I was already out of my family house at that point but you know, within, within a couple of years, I really started realizing that this was not the good life for me. I'd gotten involved in drugs, things were not safe. And, uh, and I just sort of woke up and and realized that I could do better. And I was really fortunate, um, to eventually get a job as a receptionist, um, at an environmental engineering firm. So it was 20, 20 ish years old, let's say at that time. And, and, uh, you know, fortunately, I was lucky enough to land in in a work environment where there were really supportive leaders. And I had a leader who recognized my potential and she also recognized my insecurity and how I was feeling, but she supported me and and um, you know motivated me to go get a promotion from receptionist to admin assistant and then so far move up the ladder. And I also went back and got my GED. Um, I did night school towards my bachelor and then got my CPA designation. And all during that time, grew my career and and uh, and went up the corporate uh, went up the corporate ladder to get to where I am. So that's you know twenty years over twenty years career now to come from reception to uh, to CFO.
0: Well, that's that's great to hear. And as you're describing, having supportive leaders who helped you develop that potential instead of pigeonholing you as well. Yeah. Melanie can only do this because she has this background, or she doesn't have a degree.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's and that is why, you know, I do feel so passionate about the advocacy work that I'm doing around leadership and having written this book is because I've seen so clearly um, from my own personal experience and then also with people who have been on my teams who I've been able to support and help them sort of go outside of the box that they put themselves in. We really have so much power as leaders to, to make a difference in people's people's lives. And, and that can go both to the good and, and the bad, unfortunately
0: yeah so we'll have a chance to talk about both sides of that I guess so I want to come back to the book and again the title is detox Managing insecurity in the workplace you know what what inspired you I'm busy with your career and executive role I mean what what inspired you to put the time in you know yeah. to write this write the book and bring it to everybody
1: yeah. right well well certainly my the exposure that I'd had to the power of positive leadership. And then later on in my career, like many of us, I did, did get in some, some work environments that were not as positive and they were toxic. And, and I observed um, not only what that the reaction that had in me, but what that did to others and how we, when we're in a in- work environment that isn't healthy, we we shut down, we stop um, taking risks and moving outside of our comfort zone. Our ability to reach our full potential is limited. And then we also I also saw how we use um, defensive behaviors when we're in those kind of work environments that actually, you know, work against uh, building healthy relationships with our peers. Um, so sometimes, you know, really good people and people who could grow their career kind of got labeled as being problems, even though they were just reacting to what was happening in their environment. So I saw this enough and then, you know, honestly, the pandemic happened and I am someone who would usually be out and about more in my life and I, I didn't have, I couldn't do those things anymore. And so I, uh, all these thoughts have been percolating in my head for quite a few years about, about work environments. And I started, um, started writing and obviously mm-hmm. I had a quite a bit to say because it, it turned into a, it turned into a book. Yeah.
0: We're, we're, it, did you know it was going to be a book? Like, did it start off as maybe, like maybe an article, and then it like you realized that there was more to say?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it started out actually just as a bit of a, you know, to be honest, a bit of a therapy exercise for myself, because um, I, you know, I had been in some damaging work environments, and um, I was sort of working, working through my thoughts. And but as I started writing, I realized, you know, I did have a lot of ideas, and I had seen some really powerful, great things, um, as much as I'd seen good ones. So, so the book talks about the, the, the negative side of it. But I also provide, you know, strategies around how to how to create that security. work environment where people can reach their full potential.
0: And before diving into a little bit more of the detail, I'm just curious, did you have a book coach or a mentor or somebody who was being supportive in this journey of writing a book?
1: I had a number of people in my life, you know. You know, interestingly, actually, one of the one of the women who was really supportive of me earlier in my career, um, twenty over twenty years ago, we've stayed friends, and and she was very supportive. So so she's been a mentor through my whole life, but, you know, since I was twenty years old, and uh, she supported me with this too. And and uh, and I had a few other people in my life also who. Uh, when I told them how much I'd already written, they said, "Well, you should just keep going." Uh, but I didn't have a formal book coach. But but I am really lucky that to have built a supportive network overall, um, who uh, who got behind me and and saw the power of of what I was doing.
0: That's great. So mm-hmm. back back to you know the title of the book, the fact that insecurity comes up in the subtitle. Mm-hmm. We think of I've worked in toxic environments earlier in my career. Unfortunate, not to be in that, anything close to that now. We can think of some of the behaviors when you start saying, well, describe a toxic environment. There could be behaviors. Then is, is insecurity uh, kind of the root to many of those behaviors? What what, what do you think? Well, so
1: this is, and this is the, you know, the theory that I came to over time was I, I just started noticing how much we were saying, oh, that person's insecure or, you know, they're just, you know, they're, they're lacking confidence, these kinds of things. I saw how much it came up. And then, but we weren't often asking why. Um, and then I I really started realizing that when we don't feel safe, so when we're when we're insecure, it does drive a lot of protective behaviors. And and I think it is the root uh, because ultimately, you know, as, as humans, we are physical safety and psychological safety are both really important to us. And if we don't have them, we'll start instinctively using behaviors to protect ourselves. And uh, just like how, if, you know, if we, if we put our hand over a fire, we instinctively pull our hand away. If we're in in an environment that is damaging or risk to our mental health, We'll start using defensive behaviors. So I, that is why I talk about it as insecurity, because um, I think it is that safety that drives that need for safety that drives a lot of behaviors.
0: Mm-hmm. So if there's insecurity in an employee, like it seems like the role of a leader is to try to develop them, to try to find ways to boost their confidence, even if that's not getting to the root of why. They're insecure. What, what happens when it seems like we work under an insecure leader? That that would be it's, um, a much more challenging situation. What what can we yeah, do? Yeah,
1: because I mean, and, and I mean the reality is all of us are, are insecure. Like if we're if we're op- open and admit it, we all have something and that, that we're insecure about. So it's just a matter of of degrees. And and if you're in a in a toxic work environment, the insecurities that you already have become become magnified. Um and, and in a leader, um, that that will drive behaviors because you know, certain if, if a leader is insecure themselves, they're less likely to be supportive of the growth of their team um, because they may even feel threatened uh, by the people on their team. Um, so that can um that can be really detrimental to, to somebody's career growth.
0: And what are some of those other toxic behaviors that that come to mind or that that you write about in the book that are born yeah. out of insecurity?
1: Then there's a number of them. So passive aggressive is one that, that we all identify and and we don't always know that it is actually insecurity. And, and, but that is commonly what's driving it because if, if we feel insecure, we, we likely don't, feel comfortable being direct. We don't feel safe being direct. So we use passive aggressive behaviors like dragging our feet or saying we support something, but actually not taking the actions to support it or avoiding somebody or talking about something because we don't support it. Um, And passive aggressive behavior, you know, we all know that's very difficult to work with and it can be detrimental to relationships in the workplace. So that is one really problematic one. Um, I mentioned avoidance and procrastination. If if we're insecure, um, we often procrastinate about tasks um, that we're afraid of or the tasks that, that, that are a bit scary because we don't have the confidence to take them on. Um, so, you know, if you have an employee who's procrastinating constantly about something, you may wonder if, do they have the proper support and training to do that task? Or are they procrastinating because they actually think that doing it is just going to make them feel bad, even worse about themselves? Um, and then, you know, defensiveness is obviously very common as well.
0: So, I love the way you, you, you stated that. Instead of just, Getting upset at the, the employee or blaming them or labeling like, oh, well, so-and-so is a procrastinator. Asking why is such a helpful habit to sort of try to dig beneath the surface a little bit in a way then that can be helpful and just saying, stop procrastinating.
1: It, exactly. Because it's, it's not helpful, right? Like and for, most of us procrastinate and we don't know why we're doing it. In fact, sometimes we get frustrated at ourselves at why we're procrastinating about something. And and usually there is some root there. And, and you know, I do find often it's because something about the thing we're procrastinating about is, is scary to us is, you know, maybe it is something we think we're going to fail at and we don't think we can handle the failure. And that will be even um, more likely to happen if it's a toxic work environment where you have a leader who isn't supportive of you when you make mistakes, you're probably going to procrastinate even more about anything where you think there's a threat that you could Mm -hmm. do something wrong.
0: Yeah. And I I think one other toxic behavior is the the appearance of arrogance or there's often a lot beneath the surface. And I think back to somebody I was working with 20 years ago, more at a peer level and people would even say like, oh, well, so-and-so is really arrogant. Like yeah. Just this outwardly, just kind of boastful
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, manner in the workplace that could be off putting to people. But this is someone I got to know well enough to understand uh, that he was a teenage immigrant from um, Eastern Europe yeah. and um, his, his parents came to the U.S. and brought him here when he was a kid. Didn't speak a lot of English, got picked on a lot mm. for being different, unfortunately, and while, while some you know the, the the behaviors were wasn't so bad as being toxic it was it, at times just sort of um noticeable or off-putting i, I tried to be understanding of realizing like well this is born in some really you know deep-rooted uh, teenage trauma um, there I, I don't know if, uh, there was nothing we were going to do in the workplace that, that 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 was really a personality trait yeah um,
1: and it's it's i mean i, I really do fundamentally believe that that, you know, m- most of us are good. And, and whenever we are using behaviors like that and, and that that sort of bravado or it, it often is because of something that's happened to us earlier in our lives. And, and you know, we've learned that that behavior protects us. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't want to show our weaknesses. Uh, so we use these kind of behaviors. And, and you know, m- most of the time it, it is because of, you know, some sort of protective instinct or something that's happened to us earlier that that's made us think that that's how we have to act. I mean, it, you know, it's just like me talking about my mistake about not sharing who I am, who I really am. Right. I felt that I, that was my protective instinct going, I'm not going to show this weakness that I didn't finish high school. And um, so we, you know, it manifests in different ways in all of us this need to pro- need to protect.
0: Now insecurity. Um, and like you said, we, we, we all have it some aspect of ourselves or our career or to, to different Degrees. I know it's not a binary insecure, not insecure. No. Um, but but one thing I think, you know, people have talked about more in recent years is this idea of imposter syndrome. Yeah. When someone has been successful, but still has a lot of insecurity, what, what are your thoughts on that and what we can do as individuals or with others in a workplace to help them get past that?
1: Yeah. And, and that really is a, a, it's a challenging thing. And, and I think it's because in the work environment, you know, sometimes we're actually even told to pretend we're something that we're not like, um, I, I talk a bit about the, the, uh, fake it till you make it, um, idea in, in my book. I think I have a blog post about it too. And, and to me, like that is what creates imposter syndrome. We're actually often told to go into an environment and pretend to be something that we're not. And, you know, for me, I, I did have imposter syndrome, but I created it for myself by actually hiding, hiding who I am. Um, but, you know, as leaders like that is we need to set the tone that employees don't have to do that, that, that they don't need to fake it till they make it and, and we will actually provide the support that they need. They don't need to fake it because I do think imposter syndrome will manifest more strongly if you're if you're in a workplace where you don't have the support. Um, so you're actually just like you, you to a certain extent, you are being an imposter because you don't have the support and the training that you need. So you're having to pretend and then that stays with you. Um, and makes you feel like you never deserve to be where you are. So providing people with this with good support and training that they need can help them feel like they do deserve to be there.
0: And I appreciate you mentioning, you know, the, the systemic nature of this, of, of again, yeah. sort of come back to a similar idea. Don't criticize somebody or tell them don't feel like an imposter. We can help support them and build them up in different ways.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: I mean, I think some of that happens when, let's say, somebody gets a promotion um, early or at kind of a young age and then isn't supported. I mean, how many times do we see an individual contributor? I've seen it in different industries where someone gets promoted to a leadership role, isn't given really much guidance other than, well you're yes. smart, you'll figure it out. What, what can we do to help with that? Oh, situation?
1: I mean, that is, you know, you, you keep on nailing um, some of the topics I have in my book. Cause another, another section is actually on overpromotion promotion because I, I do think this is, is a massive issue is that uh, we, we very often put people into roles that they're not ready for. Um, and that does create insecurities in them because they know they're not ready for it. And then, um, you know, potentially they make more mistakes, they fail, it creates insecurities. Um, they're often not given, I mean, it happens a lot in startups because, you know, they don't have the funding to potentially hire experienced people. So people get put in these roles. Um, And it's, you know, often we think we're doing somebody a favor by giving them a promotion, but if we do that and we don't give them the right support, we can actually be saddling them with with, uh, insecurities that can last for the rest of their career. Um, So really making sure that people, I, I do recommend like, Sometimes it seems like it's a dirty word to talk about weaknesses. Now, uh-huh. like we're, we're uh, but the reality is we all have them, and and having an open discussion and, and figuring out how you can, if you put somebody in a role that maybe they aren't ready for, really identify where the areas are that need support, and then give that to them, and that will reduce the chance that they'll that they'll get insecurities from being put in this challenging position.
0: Yeah. So talking about weaknesses beyond the cliche job interview question of.
1: What's yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. What's your, yeah, what's your, yeah. Which we all say, you know, I do things too quickly or, you know, some of these, uh, yeah, really getting, getting into it. Um, and because and I I know for me, actually, one of the more recent jobs um, that I went into, I actually went through the job description and I pointed out to them the areas where I felt that I didn't have the level of skill that they were looking for. And I think so they were like, really like, what is this person doing? You know, that she's supposed to be trying to sell herself. But what I wanted was to make sure that I went into that role. Feeling secure, knowing that they knew where I was going to going to need support, because that was more likely that I would I would stay confident in that role rather than me feeling like I was accepting it right off the bat, um, being a bit of an imposter because I wasn't honest about some of the areas that I didn't have strengths. Yeah,
0: but it's good that you applied for the position anyway. Yes, went into the process, so it makes me think of there are studies that show as much as you can generalize about gender that men are much more likely to uh, apply for a position for which they don't have all the qualifications, more so than women.
1: Yeah, Um, I've seen that research as well. Yeah. So do do you find in in your
0: work and in your research, um, I mean, are there, again, there's danger uh, sometimes in generalizing, but are, Uh are there gender issues when it comes to um facing insecurity or, or working through it.
1: Well, I, I've definitely seen it in, in um in my work experience. Um uh, one thing I do find is is you know women aren't as likely to boast and talk about some of the things that they've done and and sometimes um, don't value their experiences strongly. So that may be why we don't, you know, as that research shown, a woman is less likely to apply for a job that she doesn't have all the skills for, um, rather than going, well, if I was able to do half of it, I must be able to figure out the other half. Um, so sometimes, um, women don't give themselves as, as much credit. Um, that's just what I've seen in, in my my work experience and, and, and in my own personal experience, it definitely has taken me time to build the confidence to believe that, um, even though I can only do 75% of the job, I can probably figure out the other 25. Yeah.
0: So, um, Melanie, in your role as you know a CFO, different companies where you've had that role, what, what do you and the rest of the C-suite do, um, to guard against a toxic work environment, e- even forming, uh, in the first place?
1: Yeah. Well, there's there's a few things. One, I mean, I, I talk a lot about transparency because I do think openness and transparency is is one of the, is a really critical piece. Um, of course, there's the don't be a bully. Uh, that is that is obvious, and and uh, so making sure that we we look for values alignment in the leaders that we're bringing on the team. So that that is the bar. I look for people that have values that align. But the thing is, even good people can can create toxicity. So you do have to be intentional. And so for me, transparency is critically important, and that includes making sure expectations are clear. So people don't become insecure because they don't know what is expected of them. And they don't know if they're meeting those expectations. Um, Make sure the strategy of the business is also really clear. So people know where they're going and they know that their, that their job is safe. And, uh, Talking, we talk about mistakes. Like, like, um, I don't shy away from saying when I've made a mistake or uh, what my weaknesses are. In fact, I'm pretty open with my weaknesses and and i I hire people to um, make up for those. Uh, you know, I, I'm a I'm a CFO. I am not an excellent, an excellent financial modeler. Um, so I have contracted somebody to do, to do that work for me and let them know they have a skill set that that I don't have. And and that's how you build a team is, is being open about where uh, what will be the most complementary skills. And those are the areas where you, you know, you're less less strong.
0: Mm-hmm. So going back to an interesting phrase you used, um, good people can still create toxicity that that's yeah. um, thought provoking because I think a lot of times people might look at a leader and ascribe bad intent i right. I, I don't know who would be intentionally creating a toxic work environment very, they might be
1: very few people um, they, yeah they, they
0: they they might be in denial about an environment being uh, toxic that's yes probably more likely
1: yeah yeah that, that that's definitely what I've seen it's um i I've never in my career, even in the toxic work environments that I've been in, um, have been where where somebody was intentionally doing so. Um, Often it is driven by our own insecurities um, that make us, you know, uh, not share the information that we need to share, um, you know, or some people are just better able to control um, their emotions than others. Um, And if they don't get help and coaching um, to manage that, um, it can be really detrimental to to the workplace.
0: So maybe a final question for you and again our guest has been uh, Melanie Pump the uh, the book is Detox Managing Insecurity in the Workplace um you know why why does this matter for business results there's the human side of it we don't want to make people miserable at work we want them to um, to to be happy and reach their full potential. What, what how is that then also? good Yeah, for the great
1: great question. You know, because I, I am a CFO, so ultimately <laughs> uh, my mind works with numbers, and and that is why I thought felt it was important for me to add my voice to this discussion because people often just think, oh, you know, it's it's about the touchy feely stuff. But I do strongly believe that it affects the bottom line when you have a, a toxic work environment, and you know, one critical piece is is just productivity. Um, if your team um, um, is is distracted and and afraid of being bullied or uncertain, so they're spending a lot of time worrying about whether they're meeting expectations or uncertain about what the expectations are of them. That's time that they could be spending on their work that they're not. Um, you know, we already talked about in innovation. Um, you want to, you for your work, you know, today, in today's workplace, we need to be evolving and changing all the time. If you have people who are afraid of change, afraid of making mistakes, afraid of throwing out ideas, that's going to really limit uh, the evolution of your business. Uh, so those are just a couple, you know, it, also collaboration. Collaboration is so important uh, for businesses to be successful. And if people are in an environment where they're actually fearful of talking to their peers, um, they're going to avoid collaboration and that's going to create silos within the organization. Uh, which is just really not healthy, and and people won't re- won't reach their full potential, and and neither will the business.
0: Yeah, and I, I think there are times when people who uh, are, are not insecure can still be placed in a fear driven uh, workplace if they're being pitted against their colleagues. Well, that'll kill collaboration. If yeah, of they're getting. Um, threatened for bad performance, if they're being blamed and punished and embarrassed for mistakes, people will Will cover things up. I mean, these and that will trigger. That'll
1: trigger insecurities because the reality is, is that we all need our jobs in order to provide for our families and our livelihoods. So if you start to feel that those things are at risk, um, that will create insecurity, and you will start to act uh, defensively and use, you know, many of the behaviors that we've talked about. So, yeah, somebody who's otherwise, um, you know, quite secure can come into a toxic work environment and and become extremely insecure.
0: That's, uh, that's right. That's, 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 sad. And we, we, we don't want to see that.
1: It's exactly. And that is why I, you know, I felt I wanted to write the book because I, I saw it um, in people and I saw it in myself and I agree. It, it is sad. It's sad um, for the potential of the people and, and for business.
0: Mm-hmm. So how, how do you see people um, using the book? I imagine the one strategy we might not expect to work would be getting the book, coming to the boss and saying, "Hey, we need to detox our workplace." That might be <laughs> too direct.
1: Yeah, it might be a bit. I mean, it depends on your relationship with your boss. Of course, I have had some people tell me that that's what they're going to do. Um, but you know, one thing, and some of the most common feedback that I've had from people is is reading the book is has turned some lights on for them about uh, their own behavior or about, you know, pe- people that they've maybe judged um, in in the past. And so it, it's made them, it's had a bit of a reset and eye open on, on how they need to to look at others. And uh, so that is something, you know, there's, of course, I have strategies in there around, you know, making making it okay to ha- make mistakes and connecting with your employees and creating that positive environment. But in general, I, I really just hope it, it makes us look a little more closely when somebody is um, acting in a way that, frustrates us uh, before we judge them, you know, think about is, could there be something that's happening in the workplace um, that's driving that behavior and, and recognizing that, you know, most of us, most of us want to do a good job. We really do. Um, So we just need to create an environment where, where people can. Ari, I
0: I haven't brought this show up in a a while. Um, I I just watched the last episode of season two. I don't know. Have you watched the show Ted Lasso?
1: I, I've watched uh, I watched the first season, yeah, 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 I mean many leadership lessons in uh, in Ted Lasso, unintentional ones, but yeah.
0: but you're making me think of you know there's the uh, the famous darts scene in, in season one that's so powerful. Where Ted um, Lasso uh, Coach Lasso quotes, I believe it's Walt Whitman who says, you know, be curious, not judgmental. And when you talk about what you're talking about reminds me of that. And I think it's always a good reminder when you see certain workplace behaviors, be curious. I, I, think that yeah, goes a long I totally
1: line. agree. Exactly. That that is how we should approach it. You know, before we judge anything, um, you know, try try to understand the situation.
0: And I don't think this will be any great spoiler uh, for, for you or others. I'll, I'll say it in a non-spoiler way at the end of the last episode of season two. There's a scene where Nate is demonstrating. Um, he, he's being judgmental instead of curious. He's upset mm-hmm. with Coach Lasso, and it's a lot of judgment that comes out. I do recommend season two, though, uh, Mel, for, for you, Melanie, and for I'll others. Check it out, the, yeah. Uh, the entertainment and the lessons continue. Anyway, sorry to get sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome.
1: No, it's good. It's good. I'll check um, it out.
0: So um, again, our guest here today is Melanie Pump, and I, I hope. The audience will go check out her book, uh, Detox, Managing Insecurity in the Workplace. You can learn more. Her website is melaniepump.com, or you can go to melaniepump.com slash book. I guess those are the right places to send people, Melanie.
1: Yeah. And then also you can check me out on uh, on LinkedIn. I do most things I post on LinkedIn as well.
0: Very good. Well, uh, Melanie, congratulations on the launch of the book. Thank you for, for coming on here and you know sharing your reflections on um, your favorite mistake and getting past that and um, the path to success and continued success by making sure we don't have toxic workplaces. Really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, thanks again to Melanie for being a great guest. If you'd like to check out her book and learn more, you can find links and more at markraben.com slash mistake 119. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.